Welcome to Gov Actually, the podcast about how government works. How it actually works. I'm Dan Tangerlini, Chief Financial Officer of the Emerson Collective, and this is the FedScoop Radio Network. And I'm Danny Werfel from the Boston Consulting Group. We launched this pod to try to get beyond the personalities and the politics. Right. We want to talk about how things actually get done in the government, the people who do it, and the challenges they face. So let's talk. <laughs> okay, Danny, we're back. It's uh, it's the wrap up episode, and and if you, if the audio is a little different, it's because I'm joining everyone from California. We're we're separated by three thousand miles, even and, if we're on and it's really early where you are. So I appreciate you. you yeah, those. and I've had absolutely no coffee, so this is a big experiment. Wow. Yeah, huge experiment. Yeah. I don't usually. When, when you say it's the wrap up episode, you mean it's the the, the 2019 oh, wrap up, but yeah. also the decade wrap up. Like, so like we're I, coming. It's a double milestone here. I didn't get into this earlier when you said you wanted to you wanted to make this the decade wrap up, but but this is an interesting subject of some debate. Do you really okay? Think, do you really think the the year that ends with nine is the end of the decade, or is it the year that ends with zero? So t- I. Which, that's a that that is an easy question for me. Okay, like it, it's definitely the year that ends in nine, uh, because I'm not really like into the whole math thing. I just know that like <laughs> on New Year's Eve, I'm sitting on my couch, <laughs> eating chips and dip, uh, and then watching the ball drop. That, that it's actually like it goes from nineteen to twenty. Like we're out of the teens, we're into the twenties. For me, that's good enough to call it a new decade. Um, well, it's interesting uh, because I kind of am into this math thing. And, okay, talk and, to me and about for that. For me, you would, you don't start counting at zero, and then you know if you're counting to ten, you don't start at zero and stop at nine. You start at one and go to ten. So, right. I mean, I'm happy to do this show again next year, and we can say okay. it's the end of the decade show. You know, it, it, we we could do it. It's like when you turn. It's like when you turn thirty nine a few years in a row. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's exactly like that. It's exactly like okay. So unfortunately, um, you are you and I are now at the point where we're turning forty nine a few years in a row. But that's a whole other story. Well, I was I was hoping we could skip past that. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, I actually. Um, uh, I, I actually think it'd be great to talk about what you think your highlight of the year was, and then we then we can then we can dive into this whole decade thing um, because uh, I think it's been an, an interesting, certainly an interesting year in uh, in the in the way government actually runs, and and I think the decade has been fascinating too. Well, let's do personal highlights first. Let's let's uh, before we get into government. What was your personal highlight of the year? Well, um, well, mine, mine was uh, very simply uh, my 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 moment of the year was the wild card game, Nats versus the Brewers. I was there. They're down three to one in the eighth inning. The Brewers, like you know, closer is in, who's apparently unhittable. Bases loaded. Soto's up. He hits a single, gets past the outfielder. The base is clear. Suddenly, we're up four three. the The crowd. I, I've never been in in a in a crazier, most in, more intense live sporting event moment. I was with my son. 
Um, it was just pure glee. And, and it was an amazing moment. And then when the Nats won the World Series, I just look back on the run and think, what was, the, what was my personal favorite moment of the Washington Nationals winning the World Series? And it was, it was that moment against the Brewers in the wild card game. And that is my that is my 2019 personal. I don't know what that says about me that that was my 2019 personal highlight. Uh, well, all I think that says is that you were alive in in Washington D.C. Uh, this year because I, I think that that whole run starting in like what was it August or certainly September for the for the Nats was one of the most incredible things. Just watching them kind of claw their way out of a hole and 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 then win against all odds. That, that was pretty incredible. It was, it really, um, it, it, it cheered me up every day. It was like, uh, I couldn't wait for every game during the playoff run. And, um, I went to the parade. Um, I just got, got really into it. And the fact that, you know, my whole family was into it. It was, it was a ton of fun. So highlight 2019. How about you? Yeah, no, I think, um, I think, uh, thousands of people in the streets in Washington, DC, um, uh, uh, milling ar- around in the form of a celebration was actually a nice change. Uh, so that was, uh, <laughs> I think that was, yeah. exactly. I mean, I was standing like under like the underhang of the museum, which was like where my wife and I ended up planting ourselves and people were just like dancing and just celebrating. And it just felt like a different city than I wake up to every day and felt a little bit like I was in a dream, um, a good dream. So, uh, <laughs> good, good dreams. Very cool. It was Republicans and Democrats hugging <laughs> in the streets. It it's was, true. it was it's a beautiful true. sight. So I realize it's, our, it's December 10th, so there isn't much left in the year, but, uh, my highlight is, is still coming up. I'm, um, I'm about to take my dad. Now this is, a, I think this is a very, Gov actually highlight. I'm about to take my dad, who's 95, to Belgium. Um, he's going for the 75th anniversary of the Battle of the Bulge in Bastogne, Belgium. He fought in that battle. He was in the 101st Airborne. He was a paratrooper. He was one of the last relief troops into Bastogne before they were surrounded by the Germans. And then they spent their time. Um, fighting off the Germans and waiting for Patton to show up to, um, to push back the Germans so that they could break through to Germany. So it's a, it's a, it's history. It's, um, the highest expression of public service. It's, um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be the highlight of the year and, and maybe the decade. That's incredible. And it's such a night. Nice, well, first of all, it's, it's amazing. Your dad, 95 years old, you're going to, he's going to travel to Belgium, which is remarkable, um, that he served, um, and that I didn't realize all of this and that, that it's kind of like a window into your, um, into what I imagine inspired you to be a, a big part of public service in your life. Yeah. It, it's, it's part of the inspiration of both my dad and my granddad saw, uh, uh, fought in both those battles. And it was this sense growing up that when you're called to serve, you serve when you, to, wait, wait. Is it the, so you're t- is this your granddad or your dad? I'm sorry. No, this is actually my dad. My granddad fought in the first. Your dad, yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah. So I've got kind of an older dad, but um, uh, yeah, but he's uh, he's spry. He was going to go on his own. He called me up and he said, I think I'm, 
think I'm going to go over to Belgium for this uh, 75th anniversary of the Battle <laughs> of Bulge. And I'm like, well, I think I'm coming with you. He said, well, you don't have to do that. And I'm like, it's not a matter of obligation. <laughs> this was. This you you want to go. Yeah, absolutely. This is a, this is. A now, is game. there, is there other, are there other veterans from that time that are going as well? Well, I, I was trying to do the math. I think like the, the youngest veteran from that time has got to be 92. So um, they're going to be a lot be a few. of these guys, but you know, at the peak of the battle, there were over a million folks in arms um, fighting. Mm. So it was, it was pretty much the last, the last big battle of the Second World War in the European theater. There was a lot that happened on the Pacific side. But um, well, that is incredible. I want you to send me uh, send some pictures. That's gonna. When, when do you leave? Uh, I actually awesome. leave ODARC thirty tomorrow, and there's a, a crazy logistics thing that I'm doing with my dad as we pick our way across the country from California to Belgium. So it's it's exciting. But that's awesome. But I'll be uh, recording it all on Instagram. So uh, if you want to kind of look for me there, maybe you'll. I maybe will get some images. I'm not even sure I follow you on Instagram. I need I, to. Make, I think I, I had. Need, I need to get I think on I have it. Seventeen followers. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I made double. I well, made, you're about you're about to get eighteen. I, know, I was about to say I made double it with this uh, with this shameless plug. There you go. There you go. Well, that's exciting, and that that certainly will be. I I predict both a, a yearly highlight and a and a and a decade highlight. So you know, kind of shifting to to government. Um, I've been thinking a lot about about the past year and the past decade, and you know, obviously a lot has happened um, in government. You know, whether you look back from two thousand nine or two thousand ten, depending on when you start want to start the decade or two thousand eleven to now, it's just been um, it's been a lot of change um, and a lot of inflection points. Um, and I just was thinking, like, what for me was what was some of those uh, the biggest moments in government that have had some of the biggest impacts over the last ten years? Um, and for some reason, um, and this is the geeky version. I mean, I think you could go back and if you did this in a, through a non-geeky lens, probably come up with a thousand more examples, more than the one that popped into my head. But since this is Gov actually, and it's a little bit more of kind of through the, the lens of the, of the government employee, I mean, I, I mean, actually, to be honest with you, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, I, I think the, um, the GSA Las Vegas conference scandal was an inflection point. <laughs> really? <laughs> Unfortunately, <Really? laughs> um, you have to bring that back up. Sorry, uh, only because because again. after that, I know, I know, but we're doing a retrospective. <laughs> um, but but so but I'll pick a different point. And for me, I think um, the uh, the failed launch of uh, healthcare.gov at the start of the Affordable Care Act launch on October first, two thousand thirteen to me is one of the more memorable and important moments of, of the, of the last decade in, in government. And, and the reason why I think that is because I think it will potentially reflect as one of, one of the more important lessons 
of government management that should endure for a long time. And the lesson is to make sure that you have an understanding of what your top priority is and that you have and have moved your best A-plus team into place. Because if you think about the launch of healthcare.gov, it was so critical to, to the Affordable Care Act, so critical to President Obama's agenda. Um, and yet at the time, the administration or we as an administration did not did not have the the A plus team. It was only after it started to to fail that we moved the greatest set of technology managers and leaders that the president could assemble. This this was such an impressive group that they made it to the cover of Time magazine as the group that saved healthcare.gov. And for me, it's just such an interesting lesson that that on the president's one of the president's signature priorities, one of the most important management moments, we got the superstar superhero team to come into place, but only after the thing went down. And so for me, it's like, I think this can be an, an incredibly valuable lesson learned for, for governments for years to come to have a, a conscious understanding of what that, what your healthcare.gov moment is and make sure your cover of time magazine team is there before the launch rather than after the launch. So I'm picking, you know, as, on my list of the, of the geekiest, most important moment of the decade as the, uh, as the lesson we learned from the, the launch of healthcare.gov. Uh, I, I think that's a great example, but I think it, it in part because it works on so many levels. I think the, the fundamental level is that policy is just words. Implementation is what matters. And, you know, having been in some of the rooms where, you know, the policy issues associated with um, uh, the ACA, the, the Healthcare Act, the Obamacare, I knew that there was a lot of deep thought about how this um, would be structured, but I also um, I also recognized that not a lot, not as much effort was given into how it was going to be done. And I think that that's one of the things that's um, a constant struggle in in the government is you have, to your point, you have these very high level eighteen players operating at the policy level they aren't always supported or they haven't always invested in a similar structure at the implementation level. They just kind of throw it over the transom and say, okay, now yeah. go build that. And then you have systems, um, by that I mean procurement, HR, the underlying core gov actually systems that are not adapted or modified and responsive to those kind of demands. They're more aligned with 18, 36, 72 month um, waterfall type developments rather than what you needed to do was, uh, you know, agile um, software development. You needed to do UX testing. I actually think the big story of, of that was how quickly it got fixed. And then within what, 60 or 90 days, 50 million people were able to actually use the system. I mean, who, who can build a website that immediately goes to 50 million users? 
That's that's pretty incredible. No, I I love your point about this like policy formulation versus implementation because I I think back there was some incredible little you know to use my frame the my my framing superheroes big brains like real all stars kind of formulating you know economics healthcare policy healthcare experts that were architecting that law. And you could argue that that's, that was a cover of Time magazine group. I don't know if they ever got to the cover of Time. But, but then what does it mean if you're handing it off into a world in which you haven't done equal or more planning or preparation to make sure the thing gets executed effectively? Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think there is this kind of broader constant in government where we do end up spending more time and more emphasis on formulating the idea versus implementing. So that is my uh, lesson learned of, of yeah, the 2010. It, it reminds me when I first got to treasury and I, and I ran into someone that I had known from a different, you know, time in my life and they were coming into treasury as an appointee too. And they said to me, so what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to be the CFO and the assistant secretary of management. And they, they had this look of horror on their face. And they said, operations, you know, <laughs> like that, 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 that was um, like, like, that was something you didn't want to do. You know, you, you wanted to be in policy. You didn't want to be in operations. Yeah. But I, I think you, you don't get great policy unless you have fantastic operations. And, you know, yeah, and this was kind of the this is the original inspiration of Gov. Actually, I remember the the first time we ever talked about doing a podcast, we were sitting having breakfast in La Madeline in Bethesda when we kind of came up with the idea, and it was during the election of Trump and Clinton, and we were talking about you know there's a lot of big ideas being floated. Let's build a wall. Let's create a path to citizenship. Let's do this. Let's do that. But nobody was really talking about the fact that uh, are we making the right investments in people, in talent, in tools, in technology? Are we making our procurement system work more effectively, our HR system work more effectively so that we can do these things? Nobody talks about those. Nobody did. And here we are four years later starting a presidential election. And guess what? People aren't talking about it again. Um, talking, you know, the big topics of the day. They're important topics. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm not saying that healthcare and climate change those are critically important topics, but um, but they should be complemented with asking presidential candidates about what their strategy is to manage and invest and build a government that can be more effective than the one that that, that we have today. Um, that's continuously improving and uh, and meeting all yeah, these, no, I, these I, big ideas. So here we are four years later and we still have to make the same point. I think there are two big questions that no candidate wants to really get when they're painting the vision of a, of a big plan. And that is how are you actually going to do that? And how are you going to pay for it? Um, that latter question I want to get to after the break, um, but before we disappear, um, I do want to highlight the other thing that I think is so important about your your signature your signature issue, and that is, I actually think that healthcare.gov represents also a a watershed point of technology 
being the new platform of service for people, new platform of government service. And in a way it's this, it, yes, it was this kind of, it was this unfortunate kind of fail with a big save. Um, but what's more important is this message. It says from now on, the way people are going to get their, you know, get benefits, get any kind of government service is going to be tech-based. It's going to be um, on the web and, you know, through the cloud. Yeah. No, the government website was the story. Um because it was the it was the access point and it was the 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 keystone of of how this thing was going to be delivered. Um, it's a really good point as well. All right, so what do we what do we let's should we look forward to the next decade? And after yes, the break, I think we should take a break. Yeah, we should limber up a little. Um, I will continue to lem- lament my lack of coffee, and then we'll come back and, and talk about the. Okay, future. sounds good. Gov Actually is brought to you by the good folks at the FedScoop Radio Network. Be sure to check out what is happening on the forefront of government technology innovation at FedScoop, as well as the most important issues facing cybersecurity professionals at CyberScoop. Gov Actually is also supported by the Boston Consulting Group and the Center for Public Impact. So, Danny, we're back. Before we go into the future, uh, I thought it would be a very Gov Actually thing to do to talk a little bit about um, either either this past year or, or, or even the decade, you know, what were your what were your favorite movies, and do you have anything that kind of plays off a Gov Actually theme? Oh gosh, I don't know if I have a Gov Actually <laughs> theme to the movie. Uh, maybe let's see. I, I I would say I I I have three movies that I would have a hard time picking the favorite of that were my favorite movies of the decade. Uh, Lion, The Martian, and The Descendants. Those were my three favorite. And I guess the closest to Gov actually is like there's a lot of good NASA scenes in The Martian um, that I think made, you know, is part of why I like the movie so much. Um, But I think if I had to pick one, maybe Lion. I don't know what it was about that movie. I don't know if you saw it, but it just kind of like you know, kind of ripped my heart out. It was such a, such a moving, emotional and well done movie. I just, you know, and I feel like even though I think it was nominated for an Oscar, I still feel like it's a little underrated for what an epic, great movie it is. Well, I, I, I want to highlight the Martian as an example of a, you know, here's a, uh, here's a, a NASA public servant, you know, using, uh, using resilience and, and science and training to get themselves out of a pinch. I think. That's yeah. I mean, great... he's so brilliant. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. He's so brilliant in that movie and so resourceful and creative. And then, you know, you go to the service for America awards each year that the partnership for public service puts on and, and you, and you see these stories and you see these people and they're, they're just like the guy in the movie, just incredibly resourceful and resilient and, doing really important things and typically with a, with a great sense of humor and a great attitude. Um, so, so let's make the Martian for Gov actually the movie of the, of the decade. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, I think it's this great example. I, I think it's kind of a metaphor for the, uh, for the federal worker who's often feels like they're left alone on a planet and they got to find their way back to a, a positive outcome. So I, I think it's a great, I think it's a great guess. Yes. With with a great sense of humor along yes. the way, 
yes. you know, and a survival instinct. Right. Um, yeah. Love it. And, you know, he was a University of Chicago grad in the movie. So that might be a part of my, you know, um, appreciating it. But um, uh, I don't know if you saw the movie, They Shall Not Grow Old. I did not see that movie. So, Is that from the past decade? Yeah, it was in the last year. It was 2018, actually. Um, and what they did is they took all these actual um, uh, movies from World War One, and they colorized them. And they, you know, because they used a hand cranking mechanism to actually move the film, they had to they had to smooth out the the rhythm of it and they stitched all these different scenes together and what was amazing was you know something like world war one which literally happened a hundred years ago which seems like it could have happened a thousand years ago suddenly felt you know the people felt kind of contemporary you could almost you know they, they look like they're dressed a little funny and they had really interesting facial hair, but, um, they, <laughs> they, they, you know, nothing you don't see in Brooklyn. Um, they, they, uh, <laughs> the village, exactly. they, but you like, you realize like, these are, you know, these are actual young people. These are, you know, and to, and to see, you know, to see how brutal that war was and to see it in, not in kind of newsreel, grainy newsreel footage and something that felt a little bit more contemporary was pretty, it's pretty powerful. Pretty powerful. Um, All right, I've got I've got some time off over the holidays, and I've I've got I'm going to put this one on my to do list. Yeah, so not a go. happy holiday. It's not a rom com. It's nah, it's no okay. it's no it's no love actually. <laughs> well, that, it's an annual tradition in my house to watch exactly. Love Actually several times across exactly. the holidays. So. Exactly. It's no. It's a wonderful life. Um, uh, so, but love uh, that movie. But I think, uh, you know, interesting, interesting decade for sure. We've got, uh, we've got a bunch of stuff coming up, certainly in the coming year, that's going to be massive Gov Actually fodder. Um, but the one thing I, I can't get off this podcast without highlighting, I think the big issue of the coming decade is going to be the issue that disappeared last decade, and that's the 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 need to do something about our debt and deficit. I mean, we are just not talking about it at all. Yeah, it's an it's an amazing point. I mean, think about back when you and I were in the heart of the, uh, the you know the government shutdowns and the fiscal crisis, fiscal cliff, debt limit crisis. You know, I'm thinking like 2011, 12, 13, the Budget Control Act, which led to sequester. I mean, all of that was was around this kind of fevered pitch on the need to to control spending, and um, and and this, these incredible standoffs that were occurring between between the executive branch and Congress to try to control spending, and uh, and you're right. What happened? Yeah. What, what, what happened to, to that dynamic? I came to Washington in 1991 to work at OMB, and that was the year of the Budget Enforcement Act, which created you know, caps that created all these, um, all these mechanisms by which uh, these, these fights, you know, they led to the shutdowns. And these battles were around um, the size and role of government 
with the mechanism being uh, how are you going to actually pay for it? Aligning tax re revenue with, uh, with expenditures. And, uh, you know, I remember Ross Perot running his third party candidacy entirely around the issues of debt and deficits and spending. And now it's, it's not in the topic. It's, it's not in the conversation at all. People will occasionally bring it up, but not with any actual intention of really doing anything about it. So you think this resurfaces in the new decade? I, th I think it has and to it because there's, you know, we're, we're, in, I think north of a hundred percent of GDP now on, uh, on debt. Um, you know, you start the interest rates start turning. And so then the, uh, then the cost of that debt is going to start going up. Um, you know, this is the time when, when joblessness is so low, when the economy is doing well, that you're actually trying to pay down your debt and we just keep adding to it. Yeah. It's, um, you know, there, there's a theme here. Like I've, you know, this notion that we, if you, if you can read the U S financial report, of the United States, which I've had occasion to do, and you read our statement of fiscal sustainability, there's like this point of no return where, where if we keep on adding deficits and, um, and financing it through debt, um, we get to a point where we can't control it anymore and the government no longer becomes f fiscally sustainable and that impacts um, everything. It impacts Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security and then, and then things get, get really scary. Um, and so it's kind of a warning. Like we, at some point, we need to start making investments to, uh, to control our debt. It, it sounds very similar to the climate change story. Exactly. It's like, you know, you, you, you hit a point of no return. And, and right now, and I'm glad about it, climate change is, is front and center um, and is something that, uh, you know, if, thinking about the, the year of 2019, I think one of the big things that happened was the whole Greta Thunberg thing mm. and her advocacy on climate change and, and, and the stories that, that, and, and attention that that created to the issue. And I think we can hope that in the upcoming presidential election, um, that issue and um, making sure the American voters understand the, the various positions the candidates have on the issue will be, will be prominent. Um, but yeah, we've got two things uh, coming up in the decade where, where you have kind of this kind of concept of point of no return and it's going to take some courageous sacrifice potentially uh to to get a control of it um and are we going to be able to muster within our government and our government leaders that type of uh courage well i think i think the capacity to actually solve these problems exists within within our government and certainly within the private sector and definitely within our society we've we've done this before in the case of budget deficits we we essentially balanced the budget in 1997. I remember that was the last budget I worked on at OMB and we published the budget book cover in black because the government was in black. Um, uh, we've also dealt with a micro version of the climate crisis with chlorofluorocarbons in the ozone hole where we collectively and with US leadership worked with the world to reduce the emissions of this powerful, dangerous chemical that was opening up a hole in our ozone and, 
and threatening our, our existence on the planet so that we could, you know, uh, use hairspray. Um, so we've been able to do it. The question is, when do we get beyond uh, either partisanship, which is where I think the climate change issue is, or kind of a, a, a mutually assured destruction policy that seems to exist on the, on the budget deficit front? Yeah, I mean, I think this is the type of thing that may require some type of paradigm shift in how we legislate these things to take them out of the normal politics. Because it's right now, I think there's a growing consensus amongst amongst experts that um, scientists and economists to cover these two issues that uh, that a solution needs to present itself. And if our political system can't process that solution effectively in the way it's currently run, we may need to, uh, to, 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 to separate ourselves from the way things are done in the current political climate and create a different way of doing things. I, I don't know, maybe it's something you and I can talk about as we head into, 20, into the 2020s. But I think, I think we've stumbled upon the two two big issues and concerns and it's not a really uplifting holiday message <laughs> i was um, thinking like but, wow way to end on a high note um but, you know, yes yeah. your comment there you're basically saying that maybe maybe this is something beyond gov actually right which is you know how things are actually done and, and maybe it's moving towards gov necessary and saying the way we need <laughs> the way we need to do things even though that's not as good a title well, I mean, I think if you know if there's a true urgency and a recognition that that the current instruments of government are not up for the task of dealing with these emergencies, you know, sometimes you have to, you know, think differently and come up with some unique solutions. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we can have Dave Walker on from the former comptroller of of GAO yeah. who whose passion project for for his life has been this question of of fiscal sustainability and debt and and you know he spent a lifetime uh doing this and we should talk to him about like where what he thinks after studying and investing a, a lifetime of public service into this uh where he thinks the government should go to try to to try to finally rank Yeah it. it'd be interesting to see you know how is it possible now? You know, what would be the, what would be the path? And it, it's got to be a decade long path. So it's got to be a mission for the decade. And, and at the same time, we can, um, we can work on climate change too, because what's the point of figuring out the deficit and debt issue if there's, you know, no earth to be on. And, and it's, in my mind, you have to introduce decision makers into who are not as, uh, as impacted by the, the, the day-to-day political swings, you know, you've got to like kind of almost like give someone some type of political immunity to get some of this done. Um, like some type of, you know, five year term, mm. um, you know, something, you know, where, where you're, you're appointed, you're on some type of commission. It doesn't really matter how politically unpopular it is, but you're empowered to do it. Um, in order to take to to shield, you know, because because whoever makes these decisions may have to introduce tough choices around entitlements and tough choices around tax increases and things like that, you know, in order to to to, to balance. And both those things are third rail. Um, 
but if it's something that needs to be at least explored, um, can we create a safe uh, environment for people to, to to raise these types of questions um, and figure out what's uh, what's necessary? No, not a um, not a lot of success in the in the commission world, but um, that doesn't mean you you know you can't maybe come up with a better way to do it another another try. Um, but that that you know there've been many 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 attempts at commissions and you remember you remember, the, you remember the big one when, in the obama administration that they were on their way to some kind of you know global deal it was like bowls bowls simpson, simpson bowls, or something yeah. like yeah. that yeah simpson bowls who yeah you, who you like more i guess um <laughs> but uh uh yeah so that was uh yeah that i think that yeah, so I mean, maybe maybe I think I'll, I'll reach out to to Mr. Walker. Yeah. Maybe he can uh, launch us in 2020. Maybe we and, could get um, Erskine Bowles and Alan Simpson on. There you go. Maybe <laughs> aim not? high here. We're I'm aim excited high. about 2020. I think it's going to be a great and interesting year, and I think we're going to begin tackling these issues. I'm optimistic. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dan, for a great uh, a great year of of Gov Actually podcast and a great year of friendship and. Do me a favor. Wish the best to your dad. Thank him for his service. I'm super excited for you to have this uh, this life experience with him. It's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. Yeah, no, I'm I'm completely like swagger jacking off of his uh, World War II veteran status to uh, to to go um, you know to go across to Belgium. I'm excited well, about it. But he 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 he's he's earned your pride <laughs> in a big way. So uh, so be proud. Well, I am. I, I appreciate that. Um, also proud of uh, our partnership and and friendship. And I'm wishing you and your family and all our listeners and their families and friends a wonderful holiday season. Absolutely. Amen to that. All right, Dan. Safe travels to Belgium. Thanks for listening to GovActually. We'd love to hear from you. You can tweet at us at GovActuallyPod, or you can write to Danny at Danny at GovActually.com, or to me at Dan at GovActually.com. And if you haven't already, subscribe to GovActually Podcast on iTunes and write a review. That's how we get pushed up further and more people can hear about us. Thanks again.